Amen. It's good to have every one of you here with us today. We thank God that He knows right where we are. Amen. We know that He knows everything we need. I know that there are things probably that all of us are going through or facing that are private. Some of you guys might be going through private pain, private um, just celebration, things that are going on that are good things. And uh, I want to just say that as we go into the Word of God today, that Jesus is very, very interested in the individual. Not just the group, but the individual. And we're going to see that today. So I ask you to follow along with me in Matthew chapter 8. I want to welcome all of you as well joining us online. And I began a series of messages two weeks ago called The Miracles of Jesus. And we have now come to the third miracle in this series. And I said earlier on the very first day when we started this um, that the first three healings were of unlikely people. The first healing was for a leper. Lepers were outcasts. Lepers couldn't go to church. Lepers couldn't be with other people. They were by themselves. They were looked down on. A lot of times people thought, well, they must have done something really bad or they wouldn't have leprosy. So there was a lot of uh, cultural uh, issues going on. The second was Gentiles were looked down on. And yet the second miracle was Jesus healing a Roman centurion, a Gentile of Gentiles, his servant. We saw that last week. Today... The third group was women. Women were looked down upon in the Jewish culture of that day. And guess what? Guess who gets healed today? A woman. So I want you to follow along with me. And I just want you to know that as we just received communion, it's all about the removal of sin, right? When we recognize what Jesus did on the cross and we remember what he did, what Jesus did on the cross and the cup and the bread represent his body and his blood, it's so that sin would be removed. And when sin entered the world, when Adam and Eve messed up in the garden, it brought along a multitude of nasty consequences with it. Sickness, sadness, suffering. Death, all of those are consequences of sin. And we know that Jesus came to take away our sins, but what about the consequences? Does Jesus help with the sickness and the sadness and the suffering? Does he help with death? Say, well, it's an appointed unto man once to die. Did he ever heal anybody from death? A couple times. Will he ultimately resurrect from the dead? Absolutely. So today, we're going to look at one particular consequence of sin that affects this world in so many ways, and that is sickness. I want you to see this in verses 14 and 15. Now, the Bible says in verse 14, 
Now, when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with a fever. Everybody say, mother-in-law. Say it with a smile. So he touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she arose and served him. I've titled this message today, When Fever Left. This is another amazing miracle of Jesus. Peter's mother-in-law is suffering from a fever, but when Jesus touches her hand, the fever completely leaves her. Everybody say completely. It's gone. She's restored to full strength. There are no remnants of weakness left. There is no fever left. And she immediately gets up and begins to wait on him. Now, this particular healing story is, is, is highlighted just before Matthew tells us that Jesus heals the multitudes. And we're going to look at that in a minute. And a lot of times, one might think that Jesus healing all the people who came to him in the evening after this happened with all sorts of diseases is more impressive than healing this one person from a fever. But the point I want you to see here is that not only did Jesus have compassion for the crowd who are so lost, he says when he looked at him, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Have you ever seen sheep? Without a shepherd, they're a mess. Their their wool becomes a mess. In fact, I read a story, true story, where this flock of sheep, they were not being led, and they were right by this cliff, and there were hundreds of them. And the one sheep jumped off the cliff. Seriously. Guess what the next sheep did? Jumped off the cliff. And they were just, bah, 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 jumping off the cliff. Boo, boo. Finally, maybe after a couple hundred, they weren't dying anymore because there were so many sheep down there. They were like a pillow. But that's what sheep do. How many of you have ever been told by your mom or by your dad, well, if somebody jumps off the cliff, are you going to go jump off the cliff? Anybody in the house ever get told that? Yeah, I did several times. How many of you ever thought your mom had eyes like all around? I remember one time I was in the second grade. We were living in Goodland, Kansas, and I was doing something outside that I wasn't supposed to be doing. I, I know this probably shocks all you, but I have not always been a pastoral type of guy. I got into trouble, and I got, yeah, I, I know I, I, know, I know what leather feels like, amen. And uh, I remember hearing my mom's voice, David Scott Drew, what are you doing back there? I was like, where in the world is she? Well, how many of you know, also know that as a kid, you think you can hide really good? I mean, you're good at hiding, and you're just out there in broad daylight. You ever played hide-and-seek and the guy's standing behind a tree like this it's like, and his arm's sticking out or his foot sticking out or his cap? It's like, I'm hidden. God always sees. 
the point I want to make is that even though Jesus has compassion for the sheep that are without a shepherd, the flock, the Bible also says He'll leave the 99 to go after the one. He's interested in the individual. And Jesus' healing of Peter's mother-in-law reminds us that Jesus cares for the individual and the outsider. Because in the Jewish culture, she was an outsider. The miracle of Jesus was such an important one to the gospel writers, and it is one of the few accounts that is shared by Matthew, Mark, and Luke in the gospels. Matthew chapter 8, 14 and 15, Mark chapter 1, 29 through 31, and Luke chapter 4, 38 through 39. And a lot of times you look at this and you go, oh, well, she just had a fever. And we tend to minimize the fever when we read this passage. We kind of think, well, maybe it was just a little headache. But a fever often meant serious illness in those days. Enter physician Luke. If you will read Luke's account, you will find that Luke says she had a high fever. Now, he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house, but Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever, and they made request of him concerning her. So Luke is a physician, and he included the detail of a high fever for a reason. Today, if you look up what is a high-grade fever, you will find that for an adult, it is one. 102.4 to 105.8. And if you have a fever like that, I just want you to know, you know you're dealing with something seriously dangerous. And as you read the different gospel writers, they emphasize different parts of what happened. It's kind of like going to a, uh, coming up on an accident and police talking to witnesses, and they saw the same thing, but all of them saw something a little different. Now, the same thing happened, but what they, what they focused on, just like today, uh, I bet you if I, if, I did a, if I did a survey and I asked you what would you get out of this sermon, I would probably get at least, 20, at least 20 different, this is what I got, well, this is what I got, same sermon, you see what I'm saying? And so, Luke tells us how Jesus rebuked the fever, but Matthew emphasizes Jesus' physical touch. It all happened, but it's just what they focused on. And it's a beautiful detail, the the physical touch here. In Matthew, he just touches her hand, and it's gone. It's a beautiful detail that also ties in Matthew's focus on Jesus caring for the outsider, as I've been showing you here in Matthew these past couple of weeks. Remember, the first three healings focus on a leper, a Gentile, and a woman, all three of whom are considered outsiders in Israel's society. But unlike the Gentile servant last week, Peter's mother-in-law is Jewish, fully Last week's healing of the centurion's servant taught us that the gospel would go out to the Gentiles and that many Jews who won't believe would be left out of the kingdom. Remember that? 
This week's passage reminds us that Jesus still came for the Jews as well. I told you last week, we're surrounded by the greatest population of Jews in the state, right across the street, within a two, probably a good two square mile area, we are in the promised land, so to speak. Say, Pastor, the promised land isn't in Arizona. I know that. I'm just saying, God's people, the Jews, are all around us. Can I remind you all that Jesus is the Jewish Messiah, and Jesus is Jewish? Sometimes we try to make Jesus American. He's not. He's Jewish, okay? He came to save both the Jew and the Gentile alike and make us one in his kingdom. But even though Peter's mother-in-law was Jewish, she was still a woman, and it was frowned on for a Jewish man to even touch a woman's hand. But just like it was frowned on for a person to touch a leper, it was frowned on for a person to go into a Gentile's home, it was frowned on for a person to touch a Jewish person to touch a Jewish woman. Now, these are all Pharisaical laws, not God's. And Jesus touched, how many of you know when Jesus touched the leper, The leprosy left. Jesus didn't get leprosy. That's the point. He is a miracle working God. Jesus broke down the wall and he touched her and she was healed. Do you remember there's one time when Jesus said, Your sins are forgiven you? Amen. Pharisees freak out on him. It's like, do you realize what you're doing? Only God can forgive sins. And really what they needed to do is listen to what they just said. He's God in the flesh. I want you to also notice that this miracle teaches us that Jesus heals so that we may serve. What does she do immediately after she is healed? She gets up, she serves him and she serves everyone else. Matthew tells us that after Jesus touches her hand and the fever left her, she got up and began to wait on him and others. Now, notice what happens here. She didn't serve Jesus first and then receive her healing. No, Jesus healed her first, and then she served him. You see, we cannot serve other people until Jesus touches us. Because all they're going to get is a touch of man. We don't have the power to heal. We don't have the power to save. But we have the power that flows through us as salt and light to be his hands extended, to be his feet going to places. Amen. That's why Jesus said uh, after he ascended, he said, the things I do, man, y'all are going to do the same thing. And the things I do, you're going to do even greater. Now, he wasn't saying it's going to be greater in power or greater in uh, the wow factor or miracle that you're going to be able to do a greater miracle. What he was saying is, I'm one, you're many. I mean, at least, at least 12, take away Judas, but then they added another, so you still have 12. Still, you got Matthias in there. So there's still 12, 
The Bible says there was 120 in the upper room. On the day of Pentecost, before it's all over, there's 3,120. Peter preaches a message that I can read in three minutes and 3,000 people get saved. Today, sometimes you preach a message for 3,000 minutes and three people get saved. Somebody's going, oh, my goodness, how long are you going to preach? By the way, this part of the healing miracle also went against the rabbi's rules because the rabbis also forbid women from serving men. And here's, I'm going to quote them, lest they become accustomed to being around men. And so this is a very meaningful miracle recorded by Matthew for us here today. I'm looking at all you ladies and you're like, how many of you are glad you're living in 2024 America? Jesus cares for the individual. He cares for the outsider. He cares for the downcast. He cares for those that don't, don't seem like they fit in. Secondly, I want you to see in verse 16, let's look at what this leads to. Because in the very next verse, we go, we go from Jesus healing the individual to Jesus healing many. So look at verse 16 with me now. When evening had come, they brought to him many. Everybody say many. There were a lot. Many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits, how? With a word. With a word. And he healed all who were sick. Now, this verse lays down some very important truths. First of all, Jesus is unlimited in his healing power. Notice the unlimited nature of Jesus' authority here. He drives out the spirits with just a word. He doesn't heal some who are sick. He healed all who were sick. There are no limits to Jesus' healing power. He can heal one, he can heal many. He, he can heal all, he can heal insiders, he can heal outsiders, he can heal all types of illnesses. No matter what you throw at him, Jesus can bear it all. And there is no such thing as impossible for Jesus because Jesus said what is impossible for man is possible with God. That's why when Jesus said to the, about the rich man, it's more, it's it's. Easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And they said, well, then, Lord, who can be saved? The disciples asked. And Jesus, what did he say? With man, it's not possible. But with God, all things are possible. So the other truth we learn here from this verse is that there is a difference, and boy, we really need to zero in on this because I've heard some wrong teaching on this from people, that I want you to understand that there is a difference between illness and evil spirits. Notice that Matthew distinguishes those who are ill from those who are demon-possessed. The Bible says there were brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick. He 
He distinguishes physical suffering from spiritual suffering. Is demon possession real? Oh, yeah. Is physical suffering real? How many of you can say a big oh, yeah? You've had physical suffering. You've gone through physical suffering. I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you, believers in Jesus, since you believed, have been sick? Any in the house? I'm going to ask you, do you have an evil spirit or do you have sickness? You see, what I'm saying is there is a difference between illness and evil spirits. And just because someone has an illness, it's kind of like what the Jews were doing to the leper. He must have something sinful in him or he wouldn't be sick. Something's wrong. It's because of something you've done that you're that way. Now, I'm not saying that it can't lead to that. I'm not saying that, that some of the choices you make can make a big difference. But I'm saying because a person is sick doesn't mean that a person has an evil spirit. So we know from other scriptures and from experience that demonic possession can sometimes present itself as sickness, but we should not make the mistake of thinking that all illness is demonic in nature. If you had a bad cold and someone put their hands on you and you started casting out the de- and they started casting out the demon behind the cold, I mean you can appreciate the concern, amen. But sometimes a cold is just a cold. Sometimes a fever is just a fever. We should not be looking for demons under every bush and approach every illness as demonic in origin. Amen? Jesus, the Bible says, drove out the spirits with the word and healed all the sick. There is a difference between illness and evil spirits. Third thing I want you to see is found in verse 17. Are you with me? Okay. We've looked at how Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. We've looked at how Jesus healed the many. Last of all, I want you to see Jesus healing people in a fulfillment of prophecy. This is what he was here to do. He's doing what he's called to do. It was prophesied he would do this. Look at verse 17 with me now where Matthew writes about the previous verses. He says, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses or our illnesses, our diseases. This is a very important verse about healing that is often misunderstood. So we'll take the rest of this message to focus on this verse in particular. And especially, I want, I want you to understand what the Bible does mean when it says Jesus took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. The New American, uh, New American Standard Bible says he himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. Now, first of all, I want you to see that this means healing is a sign of God's kingdom. I'm going to go back to John the Baptist. Remember, he's in prison. He's fixing to get his head cut off. And he sends out some of his disciples who ultimately follow Jesus. And he said, go to Jesus and find out Are you the one? Are you the Messiah? Are you the one that's bringing in the kingdom? And the disciples of John come to Jesus, and they said, John asked us to ask you, are you the one? And what did Jesus say? Go tell John 
the deaf hear, the blind see, the lame walk. What is those? Deaf hearing, blind seeing, lame walking, those are healings. The kingdom of God is among you. In fact, he said to the Pharisees, if you don't believe what I'm saying, believe the works I do. Because they alone show you what was prophesied by Isaiah, that I would do these things. And so, it should come as no surprise to us that when Jesus came as the Messiah, one of the signs of the kingdom would be miraculous healings in fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies that He, the Messiah, would come healing. In fact, that's exactly what Matthew said when he summed up Jesus' ministry back in Matthew 4. Now, I know we haven't read this, but in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23, it says that Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues, listen to this, teaching, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing. All kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of disease among the people. So Jesus had a threefold ing ministry. He's teaching, preaching, healing. Teaching, preaching, healing. And there's a difference between teaching and preaching. And in the kingdom, guess who's king? Jesus is king of kings. So when Jesus came, the kingdom came with him. Jesus preached the good news of the kingdom, and then he demonstrated the truth and the reality of that kingdom by healing every sickness and disease among the people. Can I let you in on something? If you had a loved one and they died, and they had cancer, or they had some sickness, or they couldn't walk, or they couldn't talk or see or hear, they're doing great in heaven. They can see, they can feel, they can hear, because there's no sickness there. And you say, but they never got healed. What do you call that? Can I let you in on something? One of the greatest evangelist healers back in the 70s was a woman by the name of Catherine Kuhlman. And she saw miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle of people being healed. But you know what? She herself died from a sickness she didn't get healed from. You say, Pastor, why? I've got a big answer for you. I don't know. I don't know. But I know she's whole. So is she healed? Yes. You see... I think a lot of times we as human beings, we want it done our way, and we want to keep our loved one forever, but can I just let you know that if you've lost a loved one and they're no longer here, you do not know what God knows about their future here. And there are some things, church, you're just going to have to say, we'll understand it better. By and by. Remember that old hymn? By and by, Lord, we will, when we overcome, we'll understand it better by and by. 
So healing is a sign of God's kingdom, and that's why folks aren't sick in heaven. Amen? Now, Jesus' healing ministry was prophesied by Isaiah, and Moses quotes a part of that, and I want to go there. Isaiah chapter 53, he quotes it here in Matthew 8. Let's look a a little longer, uh, or a little longer portion of this in Isaiah so that we can better understand the context for what Matthew is quoting here. He says in Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 6, Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon Him. And by His stripes, we are healed. And then He says, all we like sheep have gone astray. Jumping off the cliff, jumping off the cliff, jumping off the cliff. We've turned. Everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of all of us. And when I read this, I see that God is interested not just in saving my spirit, but in healing my body and making sure I've got mental peace. A worried Christian is an oxymoron. A depressed Christian is an oxymoron. James says, consider it all joy, my brethren. When you go through tough things, you don't have to live morose and down and depressed and trodden by the devil. Because Jesus said, I came to give you life and to give it more abundantly. I want my joy in you so that it's not the world that gives to you the way I give you. But I give to you a joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. In other words, when someone says, man, you're going through so much trouble, how in the world can you be joyful? And say, I don't know. It's unspeakable, and I'm just full of glory. I'm full of joy because I know that he has my hand. He's got my life. The rest of the Bible makes it clear that Jesus is the suffering servant who was prophesied in Isaiah 53. And according to Isaiah 53, Jesus came specifically to take away our sins. But in addition, he takes away those things that accompanied sin. Guess what we're getting into? The consequences of sin, the sickness, the sadness, the sorrow. He's not saying right here that the, he's saying the consequences of sin Ultimately, it includes the sickness and sadness and suffering and ultimately death. And the Bible says the last enemy that's going to be defeated is death. Now, when Matthew quotes this passage and says that Jesus took our infirmities or bore our sicknesses, he's not saying that Jesus healed people by taking their sicknesses on himself so that he became sick instead of them. When Jesus healed the leper, Jesus didn't get leprosy. Are you following me? When he healed Peter's mother-in-law, he didn't get a fever. When Jesus healed all of those people that came to him, he didn't get what they got. They got what he had. 
reading the fuller context of Isaiah 53 makes it clear that Jesus' healing ministry looks forward to the cross. The healing miracles are a sign of the kingdom. And church, listen, the reason Jesus healed was because he was going to the cross to take away our sins and eventually remove all the consequences of sin. And there is a difference between sickness and sin, between healing and forgiveness. The main difference is that sickness is a result of sin and not sinful in and of itself. You don't have sin because you're sick. You're sick because the world has sin. Am I making sense? Do you see it? So a particular sickness is not necessarily the result of a specific person's sin, but rather the result of sin in the world in general. There is sickness in our world because there is sin in this world. But sickness and sin are two different things, and I really want us to walk away knowing that. That's why I've repeated it in every way I know how to. Sometimes my wife says, man, you said what you said, but then you said what you said again, and then you said it a different way, and then I made, I want, I say, and I said, I say it that way because I want to make sure we get it. Everybody got it? All right. So, somebody says, yeah, but you know, Pastor, that's all Old Testament. All right? I was hoping you were going to ask that because there's a scripture in 1 Peter chapter 2, 24. And guess who wrote this? Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The mother-in-law's son-in-law. This is Peter. He's the guy whose mother got healed this day of the fever. And he says in 1 Peter 2, 24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. And then he goes, hey, by the way, by whose stripes you were healed. What does that mean? Stripes. The whip, 39 of them, and it ripped his flesh. A lot of times we see maybe paintings of his back. Church, I want you to know that that wasn't just all that was hit. That was a cat of nine tails is what they called it, nine strips of leather attached to each strip of leather was another three. And at the end of those three was either broken glass, pottery, or steel balls. But they were... They had, they had grip to them. And so when it would hit, it would grip, and it would tear. And I'm not trying to be gross. I'm just saying those stripes were in, it, it took flesh out. That's why when they put that robe on him and then they ripped it off, that was another painful thing he endured. And it was by that, by those stripes, that we today are healed. So this verse in 1 Peter 2.24 speaks about the cross and it speaks about healing. It says Jesus bore our sins on the cross when he died and says that by his stripes we are healed. Now both Isaiah and Peter state that by his stripes we are healed. But I want you to notice that Jesus fulfilled this prophecy about carrying our diseases during his life. He's not dead yet. He got those stripes before he died. He was wounded before he died. He was beaten before he died. And when he died, 
we got saved. Right there, that blood that was poured out for us, that was the forgiveness of sin. That was the Lamb of God. That was God saying, I now forgive, I now have the way to let you in. And it's through the blood of Jesus. And sometimes people will get in theological arguments, and I won't argue anymore. I won't say, you know what, I'll just say, you know what, if that's what you believe, God bless you with it. But I just know I've received his healing in my body. There are times when my mind wants to mess with me. There are times when the devil wants to come into your mind and start messing with you. And to cause you to have worry or doubt. And he wants to unsettle you. I just say, by his stripes, I was healed. He was wounded for my transgressions and quoted to the devil. He was bruised for my iniquities. And the chastisement of my peace was upon him. And oh, by the way, by his stripes I'm healed. And church, listen, when you start talking to that bully, the devil, like that, he backs away because he knows what you know and when you know it. How many of you know the devil knows who knows God? Seven sons of Sceva went out trying to cast a demon out of one dude. And the one dude with those demons beat up all seven of those guys, stripped them of their clothing, and made them run away. Literally, the demon, before he did that, he said, Peter I know, Paul I know, Jesus I know, but who are you? And he beat them up. One guy full of the demons beat up seven guys. Hope you're getting something out of this. According to Matthew, it's during the three years of Jesus' earthly ministry, he fulfills the prophecy of carrying our diseases. It's on the cross. He fulfills the prophecy of dying for our sins. So healing is a result. Everybody say a benefit of the cross. Look at Psalm 103, and I'm about to close. The Bible says, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Verse 3 says, Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Benefits. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Do you know what your soul is? Your mind, will, and emotion. Your spirit can know it well, but your soul will go, man, just, I mean, I don't, I know what I know, but I, I don't feel that. I don't see it. I've never seen Jesus in person, but I know he's real. I've never seen my angels that God has, but I know they're there. And they're big dudes because I'm a little guy. I need all the help I can get. Amen. And so, Forgiveness, listen to this, it's guaranteed right now. Here's what 1 John 1, 9 says. If we confess our sins, just look this way, it's on the screen. If we confess our sins, what is God going to do? He's faithful and He is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us 
from all unrighteousness when you ask Him to forgive you. So when you put your trust in Jesus as Savior, all your sins are forgiven. Not just some, all. Somebody say, not almost. All. You see, almost is most of all. See, I think sometimes us, sometimes us humans, we can go, yeah, God, but yeah, yeah, Pastor, you just don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter. You say, what do you mean it doesn't matter? It doesn't matter. That's what I mean. He is able to forgive. He can forgive, I mean, evil stuff. All you got to do is read Paul. He is like, let me tell you the stuff I did. He said, in fact, if you want to know if there was a leader of sinners, it was me. He said, I was chief of sinners. He was responsible for killing Christians. He literally was the coat rack when Stephen was stoned with rocks, one of the first seven deacons. And he's holding everybody's coats as they're watching him and throwing stones and he's just as guilty as they are. So he's a murderer by association and by actual activity. But he's in heaven because he's forgiven. You don't have to wait until heaven to be forgiven. In fact, you can't wait until heaven. First John 1 says God is faithful and He is just to forgive you of all your sin right now. Forgiveness is guaranteed now to those who trust in Jesus but let me go to healing because I know a lot of people have questions about this. When it comes to divine healing today, there are really two mistakes that we need to avoid. Number one, and some people here, believing that Jesus never heals. He's not in the healing ministry anymore. That's not for us today. And secondly, believing that Jesus always heals, particularly in the way we think He should. Can I get an amen? Do you see the danger of both? Now, first it's a mistake to think that Jesus never heals because we just walked through the Bible and Isaiah and Peter and Matthew and Jesus healed. And He still heals today in response to prayer offered in His name and in faith. Jesus does not, listen to me, He does not have less less power in heaven than He had on earth. In fact, our whole passage today is about Jesus carrying our diseases in His unlimited power to heal. It would be a pretty poor interpretation of the Bible to turn around, you know, to turn that all around and say, Jesus doesn't heal. Well, man, there's so much against you on that. That would be a bad position to take. But if that's what you want to believe, that's between you and Jesus. But it's also a mistake to say that Jesus always heals 
the way we think he should. There are many believers who earnestly seek Jesus for healing and faith, believing, and God does not bring healing for that person in this life. And when that happens, we, we, we can get disappointed. We can get disillusioned. People can get mad at God. Some people aren't with God anymore because they're like, he didn't answer my prayer. Well, did your baby girl know Jesus? Yeah. Where is she? Well, she's in heaven. I'm just letting you know. She's healed. Right now, you're the one that's hurting. And you need a different kind of healing. And he's got that too. You see, in humility... We must simply confess we do not fully comprehend everything that pertains to divine healing. I don't understand fully why some folks are healed while other folks are not. More than I understand why God allowed Peter to be martyred and John died a natural death. They put John in a boiling vat of oil and they tried to kill him and they couldn't kill him. This is history. So guess what they did? They said, we're going we're gonna to exile you all by yourself on an island called Patmos. And God's, God's going, I could just hear God up in heaven going, awesome. Good. Book of Revelation is going to be written through him on Patmos. But the Bible makes this clear that my part is to preach the word, expecting signs, including divine healing, to follow. And finally, at the Lord's return, this is what we're told in 1 Corinthians 15, 54, that the perishable, when this perishable, it's going to put on the imperishable. The perishable will be clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? How many of you know the sting of death is sin? If you're a sinner and you don't know God and you die, that's going to sting. But if you die and you know Jesus... You can be resurrected. So, Jesus came to heal. He cares for the individual. He cares about the whole person, spirit, soul, and body. He came not only to take away your sorrows that affect you because of your sin. Many times He'll heal you in this life. Sometimes you have to wait to the next. But one day we'll all be completely free from sickness, sadness, suffering, and death. So cast your cares on Him. He cares for you. Give your burdens to Jesus. Let Him take them on His shoulders. Because whatever your burden, whatever your trial, whatever your sickness, whatever your sin... You know what Jesus is saying to you today? Here.
That's too heavy. Let me carry that for you. And guess what? He does. It's exactly what he does. Bow with me. Father, today I pray that you would go where I cannot go now. Do what I cannot do. Speak what I cannot speak. Holy Spirit, drive this home into every one of our spirits. I pray if there's any listening that needs sin forgiven, that it would be done as they ask you, Lord, and confess it. Your word's already promised it in 1 John 1. And Lord, we believe in the healing power of Jesus. We believe in the mind-giving peace of Jesus. Spirit, soul, and body, thank you for the miracles that were recorded, that Matthew revealed, that were looking at. And Lord, I pray this impacts us. It's not just knowledge under our belt. We begin to experience this, that we believe you, that we boldly pray, that we believe that the works that you did, we can do as well, because it's the same spirit that lives in you, that lives in us. Now, help us go our way and be the light you've wanted us to be and called us to be and the salt. And I pray, Lord, that as we go, that we would make an impact for the kingdom and that evil would feel the impact of your good kingdom through your people today. We all pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Love you guys. Have a great, great week. See you next Sunday. Go out victorious. Amen. See you there.